Blog Talk Radio. Every week, welcome to Five Time with Jerry. I don't know if it's the short version or the long version. Um, so let me fix this stuff real quick because for some reason, every single time I put this to public, it doesn't go public. It stays on private, and I don't know why. It's so irritating. So I want to welcome everybody to Five Time with Jerry on Streamyard and those who are tuning in also. Thank you very much. Tonight my special guest is David Spinks or Dave Spinks. So I am waiting for him to come on the show. So anyway, let me make a couple of announcements. Let's see. Hello. Let me make a couple of a couple of announcements. I can't even talk tonight. This is terrible. Um yeah, I know, right? <laughs> so, David Flowers and I, we're going to be doing tours at the Manor House here soon. We're teaming up, doing tours. That's going to be, um, his tours right now are Mondays, Wednesdays, and Saturdays at 9 p.m. at the Manor House. And you just have to, hi, John Stevens, you just have to call the activities desk. Tickets are $15. John Stevens is on. He is the creator of Virginia Paranormal Events, which you can also find that on Facebook. <laughs> so um, you can find that on Facebook as well. And all you got to do is just go to his page, like it, and you'll see all the latest paranormal events that are going on. <laughs> Tag team and you're funny. Also... New Jersey Rope, that is a team based out of New Jersey. They have a hygiene, they have a um, Facebook page, New Jersey Rope, but they also have a website, and it's www.njrope.com. And if you scroll all the way down, they actually have their own store there. So please go check them out. And if you haven't liked their page, please go like their page. Let's see. Let me find out where David Spinks is because maybe he didn't um maybe he didn't get the link. So let me check. Let's see. Uh, let me see here. 
from what I can see with David Spinks, he or Dave, I keep saying David, it's Dave Spinks. Yes, it's New Jersey Rope. New Jersey Rope, NJ Rope. I met them back in 2014 when I was at a friend's house and she was having some issues going on with her house and she had reached out to their team and they drove from New Jersey to Virginia to to do some stuff with her house. They were setting up an overnight investigation at her house. So that's how I ended up meeting them and then ended up becoming a member of their team and we just clicked. So I've been a member of their team ever since and they're just a really good organized team. They're like my home team. Yeah, New Jersey Rope. Frank Lazaro. I'll have him on my show eventually. He's just very busy. So I'll have Frank Lazaro on on my show here soon. So anyway, Dave Spinks, I'll just talk about him right now until I can figure out what happened here because I emailed a link. But anyway, Dave Spinks, he's a paranormal investigator and he is an author also. And I did not realize that he wrote several books, um, Cooking with the Cryptids, Wicked 46, all, just all kinds of willow wheat, willow wheat, that's the name of his store that he has. But he's got all kinds of books out here, West Virginia Bigfoot. And I just, I mean, I'm myself personally, I am like working on a book, okay, and I'm struggling, like I'm only 10 pages in to my book. And it's scattered all over the place. So I don't know how people just do that. I mean, you know, I mean, I, I know Vanessa Hogue always says write from the heart. And I am writing from the heart. But it's just like it, I don't know. I just, that's hard. Not hard to write from the heart. But when you're putting it on paper and you're, I guess maybe because I go over it and over it and over it and over it. And I'm looking, I'm like, you know. What the heck? So, hi, Desiree. I am a Bigfoot believer. You know, I believe that Bigfoot exists, and I believe that a lot of, um, I believe that a lot of people out there, yeah, you better stop, Kimberly, Ashbury, Moxley. (laughs) But I believe that there's a lot of things out there that we don't know about that exist and we haven't seen them yet. You know what I mean? Like Ray Rose, for instance, he lives in town and he's constantly filming stuff that's happening in the night skies in Urbana. And he's, you know, putting it on on Facebook. And when he first put it out there, I was like, huh, maybe those are orbs or something. You know, and I said, well, why didn't you just walk towards the light? And he was like, because it was too far from the sky, but the way he videoed it, it was so close. I thought it was in, the, in front of his face, and it wasn't. So, anyway. All right, I'm not seeing Dave Spinks. I know I sent him the email. Let me see. 
as we were talking. Let me see how I can go in here, yeah, to check everything. Maybe. I could have sworn I sent him the email link. Yeah, I know VibeTime did send it. So I don't know what has happened here. Let's go in there and see if I can resend everything, and maybe he'll see it on here. So in the meantime, are you, Kimberly, are you talking about Bigfoot? Or are you talking about, like, are you talking about, like, UFOs? Or are you talking about, um, are you talking about Bigfoot in general? Because I haven't seen, I haven't seen anything like that either, to be quite frank with you. All right, let's see. Real supernatural. All right, let me put his little email in here and send this sucker. Because the when I went to go, oh, I don't think I can. So I don't think he can. Um, I don't think he can come on. But I know I sent it. That's just weird. I hate when things like this happen because I know I know that when I sent him I know when I sent my email out that it showed that it sent out because I did it right away so that he would have it. But I'm not seeing it. I don't know. I can't even think I can send it out at this point. So let's see if he'll respond. If not, then we'll just I know, David Flowers, you said that you saw Bigfoot. <laughs> I know you did. When you was a kid, you talked about that in one of our episodes, which is really cool. Hi, John Savage. How are you? I know my sister's listening on the on the line, and I just... I don't know what happened. I know that when I got on Blog Talk Radio last week, I, or the, when I was setting up everything, um, I definitely, I know that link sent out, and I don't know of a way to, I don't know how, know of a way on here to, like, send the link, unless, I don't even think Ryan can get on there and do it for me at this point. So... You think it's another species of bipedal, a bipedal ape? Kimberly says that she thinks it's another. Here we go. <laughs> He's trying to find my email link, and I can't send it to him. <laughs> All right, so let's see. Please don't ask me to resend it because I can't. <laughs> oh, he's. Oh, let me see. How do I? Okay, I got to figure out something here. I'm sorry, y'all. I'm trying to. I'm having a blonde moment. This is just not the good time to have a blonde moment. <laughs> let me try. I'm trying. 
Let me see if I can go on here and pull the link from here. I'm, yeah, I'm going to try to send it from my phone right now. I'm glad that y'all are being patient with me. Let's see. Let's see if it'll let me. They may ju- it might just let me. It may not let me send the invite. So let me see if what's 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 it going to do here today. <laughs> let me see. Hello. Bet you it'll echo on here. Hi. Oh, it's saying that I'm on the air. Well, I know that, but I don't know how to. All I can do is copy a link and send it there, but the only thing he's going to get is the actual link unless he's going to be nice and call in. Let's see. Let's see. If not, I'll send him the um, StreamYard link, maybe? And just put them on StreamYard. Yeah, I was hoping that he he might call in. We're working on it. Oh shit. Oh. All right. Let me send an email. This is so cute. He can't see it. So I'm assuming that with when I went to go send the link, he's saying he don't see it. It said it sent it, but he can't see it, and I don't know if this if it's going to work. So, all right. I don't know. That's a good question. What are y'all's thoughts on that, Kimberly said, or are they slipping in and out of a dimensional rift from a time before ours? That's interesting. That's an interesting discussion. The problem is, is when you go on blog talk radio, since I'm already on the air itself, it's not allowing me to it's not allowing me to it it you it would let you send an invite link when you're on here and now it's not allowing me to do that like it won't allow me to it's not allowing me to go in here normally there's like a little box where it says send invite link and so you when you go on there you have to I can't it you can't do it like that. I can't show you the the switchboard. It's it doesn't allow you. There's like a little box at the top before you even start your episode, and it'll say, you know, um, invite guests through email or whatever. So when you do it that way, unless I try to edit the episode, but I don't, I don't think it's going to let me edit anything either. So let's see, because it's saying that seriously, we can't find your page. So let me see if I can try it this way. I'm working on it. All right, let me see if I can edit. 
edit. Here it is. Let me see. Title replace. Nope. It's not going to let me. Mm -mm. There's a short link. It's not going to let me send him the link. Oh, no. Damn it. He's gonna he's gonna be nice and call in. Uh, I appreciate it. <laughs> Thanks for y'all being so patient. We're gonna get it straight. We're giving this a try. As so. Is so, no, So Royal is not coming on my show because last time she, um, no, she interrupted my internet. Nope. So Royal, I'm Unique is not coming on. No. Mm-mm. Nope, nope, nope. She's not coming on because if you remember correctly, Miss Kimberly, last time she came on the show, she interrupted all the internet lines and just like totally wrecked everything. <laughs> So, no, she is not on here. Yeah, that's true. Tina said there could be underground caves that they're hiding under. Let me see. Hello? Hey. I'm sorry. I thought I know that I emailed the link, uh, but I'm glad you're on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm there. I just wasn't. They was trying to make me do a pay account to pay and create. Oh my God, no! Don't. No, we were talking about. We were actually. I actually did my introduction on you, and we were talking about all your books because I did not realize that you wrote so many books. Oh yeah, I got more coming out too. Oh, my gosh, how do you, like, okay, I'm trying to write one book, and I'm at, and I'm struggling with that. So how long does it take you to write a book, if you don't mind me asking? Well, I've been doing this for over 30 years. So basically, um, a lot of my book work comes out of my case files and investigations and experiences I've done. So, you know, um, that's basically how I do it. So, and then... You know, a lot of the stuff I write in my books is based off interviews of eyewitnesses and other people's accounts as well as my own experiences. So that's how I do my books. And that is so cool because I, I did not – I just I – I went on Amazon, you know. I wanted to get a little bit more information about you, and I just was amazed at all the books. I was like, oh, my gosh. And here I am struggling on the 11th page. <laughs> I'm up to 11 pages. After you do your first one, it gets a little bit easier because you kind of feel your way through it and kind of get your process down, you know. And um, I got, you know, I have I have a whole haunted West Virginia series and a real haunted series that I'm doing on numerous states based off investigations I've done over the years. So, not to mention the Bigfoot and UFO stuff. That's all, you know, as well. But. Um, you know, it just comes from a lot of information from a lot of years, you know, so. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you, um, I know you have your store in West Virginia. 
Yeah. And we, we had started on the subject about Bigfoot on in the chat. So that's what we were talking about while we were trying to also, you know, when we were trying to, when we were waiting for you to come on, we were talking about your books, but we was also talking about Bigfoot. And so have you had experiences with seeing Bigfoot or yeah, that's what started me and all this real in reality. I mean, when I was 13 years old, me and my grandfather here in West Virginia, we were on a fishing trip that, you know, one of our trips we used to do quite often. And uh, we had a Bigfoot encounter and it changed my life. It's literally why I do what I do today. So, oh, that's awesome. Uh, I wrote about it in uh, my real uh, West Virginia Bigfoot book. It's available on Amazon, too. It tells my story. I also told that story on a couple of TV shows, These Woods Are Haunted and Terror in the Woods. But, you know, um, they I talk about that, how they added some stuff that didn't happen. To, uh, to uh, You know, that's just TV for you. I always tell folks, hey, you know, I didn't know they were going to do that, and it really made me mad. But I tell folks, if you want the real complete story, read my book. And, uh, you know, that was my first uh, real TV spot. So I didn't know that they would do something like that. It was very just disappointing that they would do that. But um, they did a good job overall telling the story, but they, like, changed some order of the things that happened around, and then they added some stuff that didn't just did not happen, and it really frustrated me. But what are you going to do? Once you sign that paperwork, they can do whatever they want. It's all in the final. Right. <laughs> so, right. Um, yeah, no, I – Yeah. You know, the first time I was open and honest about that, that whole situation. And, uh, you know, I talk about it at conferences. I'll show the, I'll show the, the 27 minute segment. And then I'll say, remember that part? Remember this part? And they're like, yeah, yeah. So it never happened. They're like, what? <laughs> I'm like, yeah. And I said, they, that's what they do, you know? And, uh, I said, but, you know, read the book. You'll hear the whole story. I mean, I'll, you know, we didn't stay the night like they portrayed. We got out of Dodge, <laughs> you know? Right. So, right. You know, but uh, you know, when you have an encounter like that, when you literally see something that you can't explain, you've never been taught about or heard about. You know, when I was 13, I'd never heard of anything like that. You know, we the old timers around here they would uh, they would uh, call them wood boogers, but we thought they were always screwing with us, trying to scare us. You know, so they better not stay out in the woods at night because the wood boogers will get you. Well. Turns out that things were real and they weren't kidding, you know. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it really, like, it changed my whole life. It terrified me, but at the same time, I wanted to know what it was. And then, you know, you you kind of, even as a kid, you kind of question your sanity, you know, a little bit. Because uh, when you see something like that, you're just like, man, that was unreal. And then, you know, my grandfather, who was a Baptist minister for 40-plus years after World War II, he, uh, you know, he saw it with me, and he didn't want. It. He wouldn't talk about it. He said it was a, you know, that's not a god, that's a demon, and we we don't talk about those things because it brings it closer to you. So it was very frustrating on that end as well. Right. And how old were you when you had that experience? Thirteen. Oh gosh, yeah, that would be. I think that would scare me to see something like that. I mean. Were y'all just, can you, do you mind explaining a little bit about what y'all were doing? Were you like just walking through the woods or? No, we, we, we went to a place that we used to go to all the time. We hunt or camp and fish there, you know, 
it's pretty rugged. It's out. It's kind of remote. Not too many people around. There is people on occasion, but um, it's a pretty rugged area. And uh, you know, one of our normal fishing trips, and we were going to camp out for the whole weekend, like we always did. And we got there, and I started. You know, I wanted to start fishing right away, and I did. He he went ahead and you know let me start fishing. We caught. I started started catching fish right off the bat, and then. We got we were getting our camp set up after that. Grand, while I was getting firewood and stuff, Grandpa was you know cleaning our fish and we cooked them up and ate them. And right, but it was getting you know simple, pretty close to dark, probably thirty forty minutes you know before dark. But in that deep canyon where we were, when the sun goes down behind the mountain, it gets dark quicker because you know it's deep down in the river valley. So. Um, we were just sitting there after we got everything set up, had a fire going, and we're just chilling and waiting, you know, just talking and everything. And then out of nowhere, a giant, giant splash hit the hit the river, and like a big splash. We didn't see what caused it. We, you know, and it was so big that the water rained down from it. So like, you know, when a full grown man does a cannonball, something like that, you know, they go kaboom, yeah. and the water rains down, right? So um, right. we jumped up. We didn't see anything that could have caused it floating in the river and or, or like a tree, big tree fell in or nothing. Of course, we would have saw that and heard that. We just we didn't see anything. We just heard a, a, just a kaploosh, ginormous splash, right? So we jumped up. We're looking around. We can't figure it. For several minutes, we're trying to figure out what in the heck caused that splash. We knew it could have been it couldn't have been a fish because I mean it would have had been a, a monster fish, you know. Uh, and we right. saw that too. So, because it was kind of off to our left a little bit, sort of behind us a little bit. So, the other side of the the uh, valley, the, the canyon was really steep and rocky over there, and you know, pretty rugged. So, Grandpa theorized that maybe a rock rolled off of the cliff and hit out in the water, and we just didn't see it. And I was like, well, we would have heard that because it would have been come crashing down through there, knocking trees over and stuff. But you know, what are you going to do? You just try to make sense of it all, and you can't. So after a few minutes of that, we sat back down, just kind of scratching our heads going, that was weird, you know, we we're talking <laughs> about it. Then we hear something like clipping through the tree limbs, and I'm, it's over off to the same direction. And I look over there, and I see this big boulder, like, a man would have a hard time getting both arms around it. You know, that's how big it was. Come flying in an upwards direction through the tree limbs and hit out in the water and make a ginormous splash, just like we heard. So now we knew what it was, but now we're thinking, we're going, what in the frick, how did that happen? It didn't roll down the mountain. It came flying in an upwards direction. Well, we're just kind of standing there dumbfounded. And my grandpa, I guess in his mind, he was thinking it was people messing with us. And he yells across there, "You hoodlums, knock it off, or I'm gonna, I'm gonna shoot over there." You know, um, yeah. and I'm thinking, "There's no way in heck a, a human could have thrown a rock that big." So, just as the time he gets done saying that, you hear the most god awful howl, guttural howl sound come from that side of the river, and it sends, it still sends chills up and down my spine when I, when I recall it in my brain how it felt and it, it, it was so powerful it was like when you're at a concert you feel that bass hitting your hitting your gut yep. and um 
and it just echoed up and down the, the you know the canyon area there where the river is. Well, I look, and I'm just standing there like frozen, you know, just frozen and scared to death. And I go to look for my grandpa who was off to my right, and he's gone. And I look back, and he's running toward the tent. Well, I know he's going to get the shotgun out of the tent now. So <laughs> I didn't know what to do. I'm just standing there, a dumb kid, you know. And uh, so he comes back. And he cracks off a shot over there, and that thing just goes ballistic. We still can't see what it is that made the sound. It starts shaking 40, 50, and 60-foot trees like they're, they're twigs. And uh, he cracks off, I don't know, it could have been five, ten rounds. I don't even know. Because he yelled <coughs> about when all this was going on, he yells for me, he goes, get to the truck, boy. So I run to the truck, and I'm cowering down looking around the front bumper, and he he, cra- he probably cracked off four or five shots, and this is an old squirrel gun, so it takes, you know, it's not like you can just go boom, boom, boom. You have to shoot one round, unload it, put another round in it, and, you know, slap it open, slap it closed and shoot again. So it, it takes a few seconds to do each one. So he's like boom, click, 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 boom, you know. And right. he don't see what, what's making this noise or anything yet either. All we can see is these trees and stuff shaking and this god-awful screaming and howling coming from over there. So I'm just, I'm scared to death. I'm shaking. You know, I don't know what's going on. And after he cracks off four or five rounds, you see the trees that were shaking. Well, it starts moving because the trees are moving as it moves because it's tearing down the woods over there, you know. And that's when it came into a, a clearing area, and I saw it from the waist up. It was a giant hominid creature walking on two legs covered in brownish-black hair. And it never looked oh, back at us, but it was tearing the woods down. And that's when I, my grandpa came running because he must have saw it too. And he grabbed me up with one arm and opened the driver's side truck and threw me through the cab. And the only thing that stopped me was the passenger side door. And he jumped in, and he said, I'll never forget this. He said, that's not of God, son. We're getting out of here. So he cranks the truck up, and, you know, this is a rugged road, two or three miles down in the woods from the hard road at least to get down in there. And he's gunning it, and the truck's bottoming out. It sounds like pieces of the truck are falling off. And and, uh, I got my head buried in my hands, scared to death, thinking that this truck breaks, that thing's going to go over here and kill us because just get us out of here, you know. And uh, so we get to the top, back to the hard road finally, and he drives around, and he's not saying nothing for like 15, 20 minutes, and he finally pulls off the road. And he says, you know, we better not tell no one about this or they'll think we're crazy. And, you know, being yeah. a teacher, I can, I can understand where he's coming from because he doesn't want to lose his parishioners and stuff, you know. So, I, you know, we kept that quiet for many years. And then, uh, after he died and doing what I do, I always got that question, you know, what, what started you in this and everything. And I would always tell him another encounter I had it was my other grandpa was having to do with my other grandpa when in reality it was the Bigfoot thing that started me but but I made a promise and I kept it till after he died and then I told my uncle I said look I'm going to tell people what happened to me and Papa and I want you to know what happened and uh, this and that and before I go public with it and he uh, he said oh you're talking about that monkey man you and him saw like and I'm in the woods and I'm like what he told you and he said oh yeah he told me that story like 25 years ago <laughs> So I was pissed because I, I kept it, you know, I kept it quiet. But he said, well, he said, he said, I want it. He said he came to me like 25 years ago and he said, he's telling my uncle, he's like, I want to tell you this because 
if something happens to me, I want someone else to know what happened, what me and Dave saw in the woods that day. So, but he oh. told him not to tell, tell nobody either, you know. But he just wanted someone yeah. else to know. Yeah, so, that's, here that's, it was. I kept it quiet, you know. But yeah, you know, and uh, you know, I wrote that story in the, in my book, and uh, along with my story, and there's numerous other accounts of you know eyewitness accounts here in West Virginia from state troopers, doctors, lawyers. You name it. I mean, all people from all walks of life, credible people that, uh, you know, literally have no reason to share a story like that unless they truly saw what they saw. So um, that's, you know, that's basically how I do my books and stuff like that. So um, it's all based off of my experiences and in interviews or cases I've worked over the years with eyewitness encounters and sightings and different things and places I've places and locations and uh you know happening strange happenings that I've investigated. Yeah, that's really cool. I was um one of the, I've got viewers on here and they wanted to know if we were talking about Sasquatch. Yes, we're talking about Bigfoot. <laughs> that's what we were talking. Yeah. Yeah. And um of course, Kimberly had the question, has he spoken to any locals? like indigenous elders, like the elders that are in your area, which pretty much, yeah. There's not many, there's and not I'm, many and, elders around here anymore, but there's a few. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I'm actually, my, my mom's great-grandma was full-blooded Cherokee, so I got a little bit of Cherokee in me. And, uh, you know, I do talk to, to those folks on occasion, you know, they share things with me and whatnot. And I've talked to many other elders from other tribes around the country over the years too. So, yeah. Yeah. That's really neat. I was going to add, oh, I, you know, when I first, when I first knew of you, it was on an episode and you got to excuse me because there's a lot of things that, you know, when I when I do inv- investigating, I've done it pretty much all local, so there's a lot of places that I haven't been. Um, but I know I watched a show with Willow's Weep. I guess, yeah. is that the a house? Because I know I saw an episode with you in it. <laughs> yeah. This yeah, is how much non-caught up I am on TV, but I, I remember seeing the episode. Yeah, that was like what, two or three years ago now, or something. I don't know, but um, yeah, it was just a short segment on the house that I bought uh, from a woman after I investigated it numerous times, and she, she, did, her and her husband didn't want anything else to do with it because they felt that the house tried to kill them, and they, I had become friends with her, you know, over the years, and uh, she asked me if I wanted to buy it, and I did, and I said, you know. I said, what better replace could it, could I have to basically have my own paranormal lab? And it was a controlled environment that I could control that everybody and their brother, you know, didn't wasn't going into. I could control that aspect of it and then try to document more paranormal evidence. So that's what I did with it. So do, like, people go in there now to investigate no, or? No, I shut it down. It's a very dangerous house. It's very negative, and it's not structurally safe anymore. So uh, I decided to shut it down because I would feel horrible if somebody got an attachment or something like that crazy happened. Because I, I have had friends and fellow investigators that have had some crazy stuff happen to them in there. 
and uh, I just don't feel it's safe, and I don't want that on my conscience. And as being no. a responsible location owner, you know, I don't, I just don't feel it's a, it's a wise decision to let people in there anymore. And you know, and then you got people doing stupid stuff in there, uh, trying to conjure stuff, and just all kind of silly stuff you run into as a location owner. But the, the, right. the whole plan, the whole plan, the basic thing was I, was I wrote the first book about it, Willow's Weep, and told as much history and experiences from other investigators and the history that we know that's factual. Um, there's a lot of other hearsay history that we can't find anything because the county's records over there are just a, a mess. And uh, I've had myself in there numerous times and many other uh, people I've had helping me try to research stuff on the house. Just It's just a nightmare in their records. But um, So, you know, the, the whole thing is, as a, a responsible location owner, too, I think that it's pertinent to – there is a doorway open there, a portal, uh, with all kinds of stuff come in, bad and good, and different things. Uh, people have done some – there's probably – I can pretty much guarantee that there's been some type of black magic done in that house at one point in time or another. You know, built in the 1890s, um, and some of the stuff we found in the house and, and Brenda, the prior owner, found in the house leads us to believe that uh, there was, you know, dark magic practice probably in the 80s there. So uh, who knows what they let in or tried to conjure up in there. But it's definitely right. something something was done there. Not to mention there's a huge Native American uh, presence there. Um, you know, when the French and Indian Wars were going on, that was a prime area for all that. There's all kind of uh, Native American, like all the neighbors told me that I talked to, when they're digging their gardens and stuff, almost, you know, they find pottery all the time, arrowheads. And so, you know, there's two rivers that come in there. There's a lot of stuff. A lot of people were killed on both sides of that war. Um, and when they, you know, if you look at the county that it's in, when they finally came to a peace agreement, the chief of the area, how they did it was he stuck his spear in the ground and they said, okay, wherever the spear shadow cast is your area over there and the rest is our area. And that's what they did. <laughs> so it was really bizarre. And the, and the county shaped really funny because of that. So, um, so, you know, there's a lot of different circumstances at that particular house. And there's other houses in that town that are I've talked to neighbors that have all kinds of activity in them as well. So, but the, the Willow's Weep house was built really weird. It was built by Masons, by a, 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 built by a Mason for a Mason. There's all kind of Masonic symbology inside the house. It had a hidden uh, hidden ceiling, and when they when they knocked that ceiling out, trying to look for the stairway that's supposed to be in the house that's in the original plans, they found um, these strange triangles above each entrance entrance of the house. And at one time, you know, before later in years, it was closed up, but it had four entrances and exits right in the corners of the cross. Um, above oh, wow. the door was a, was a triangle, and everything funnels right to the center of the cross of the house. And, you know, if you read the book, it tells you all the stuff. I mean, we could spend weeks and weeks talking about all the different nuances of this house and all the different tragic deaths that happened inside and other things. And, um, you know, just crazy stuff that happened to investigators and just random people that were over there before it was even being investigated. So, um it's just a crazy, one of those crazy locations that 
all kinds of it's like an onion you know it has many many different layers and you got to peel back the layers trying to figure out what's going on so my whole plan with it is like there's a we got a document a short or a documentary that we filmed part one of that'll be coming out first week of april probably around the seventh or eighth on scare network and then and then i'll have that uh, i'll have that um on dvd for sale as well um and i can do signed copies for people you know at the store and whatnot but um um so we got that coming out but the second book too there'll be a second book on it and it's it's going to be basically what i'm going to do is i'm either going to burn the house and cleanse the land or knock it down and cleanse the land because there's too many bad that that bad energy stain that land and it needs to be taken care of and you know everything has a life and this life of this house is, is coming to an end and I want to have it ended before anyone else is hurt or any bad stuff happens to anyone else. So, you know, we're, we're going to do some stuff with some, with a native American shaman and a couple different clergy members and a holistic healer. And we're going to shut it down because that's really the only right thing to do. You don't want to leave the door open, so to speak, for all kinds of bad stuff to happen. Nobody will ever live in that house again. So, I understand that, and um, Kimberly, she's on our chat. I got Kim. I got a lot of people on chat. Um, but one of her comments was her friend lives uh, near there, and she said nobody really goes there because demons are trapped there. That's what yeah. I guess her friend told her that lives um, near there. They're not trapped there, but they come in and out of there all the time. And, um, yeah. You know, there have been bad things conjured there, and um, it's just a bad place, and it needs to be cleansed, and, you know, the good needs to come back to it. So, you know, uh, that's my plan with it. You know, I could have I could have made tons and tons of money. I've had it close since before COVID. And, uh, you know, I've got I – got, I kid you not, I have over 70 teams begging me to let them in there right now. And, you know, wow. I'm just not going to do it. It's not about the money. You know, I could be making money hand over fist with that place. But I, I don't right. you know. It's not about the money for me. Right. So, um, John Stevens wants to I'm, I'm, doing, I'm doing the best job I can telling the story of the house, sharing experiences from many other investigators that have been in the house and had crazy stuff, including my own experiences. And we're telling the story, and then the story's going to come to an end because – to, to let that linger on and to, you know, there are, there are probably some good spirits that need help there too. So, right. you know, we need to take, take care of all of that. Well, do you think that they like, and like they're in, they're in that spot, but like if they're surrounding houses, are there complaints from people in like the surrounding areas that are having problems? I mean, is it like spreading itself outward uh, or is it I just, localized to that spot well there's stuff that comes in and out where that house is because there was a doorway open somehow sometime we don't know when but there are other houses in that small town that have had paranormal experiences i've talked to several of the neighbors so um you know when there's a when there's a place you know say a town and many years before there was even a town there you had all these battles and there's also native american ancient native american burial sites very near there uh with some of the mound builders so if you've had all these sites and there was battles and wars and people killed that in my view and this is my opinion 
though that, that bad energy stains the very ground that it happened on, right? So, um, right. Um, so when that when that kind of stuff happens, that's that's what we look for when we look for co- possible causes of paranormal activity or hauntings. So you know, in doing so, you know you and with as with any of these residential houses and stuff, you know people don't seem to realize that there's two different types of investigations. There's commercial locations where you you can go and try to document paranormal evidence. Then there's residentials where people are actually living. Those are two different, totally different types of investigations. So, you know, people need to understand that, you know, just because you go to like Trans-Allegheny Lunatic Asylum or an old penitentiary, you're not really doing an investigation. You're just documenting paranormal evidence. You're trying to capture something on camera, you're trying to get some audio, whatever. It's a whole different thing when you're trying to help people that are living in a location and experiencing all kinds of uh, whatever type of activities going on. So, you know, um, you do some of the same methodology when you're training techniques, but you have to try to get down to the nitty-gritty and figure out what is actually causing this activity to occur. So it's a lot different, you know, in some aspects. So with the Weezo, it used, you know, it used to be a residential, but now it's it was commercialized a little bit, um, and now it's it's going to be closed because you know it just doesn't need to have anybody else getting taking the risk of getting getting an attachment or worse, you know. Right. So it's just uh, right. You know, nature of the and game. Somebody would, yeah, somebody would be. Uh, maybe I'm not saying the right word, but I'll say it's stupid enough to go in there and do something stupid. Because there are some people that aren't very bright sometimes, I think, when they're... I think sometimes people think that when you're doing anything paranormal-related that it's a joke and it's not. Or some people. I'm not going to say all. It's nothing to play around with. Well, unfortunately, people watch TV shows and think that's how you investigate. That's just really not the case. Really not the case right. at all. Um, just to right. see Joe Blow running around acting like a fool, uh, saying "attack me, demon" or whatever they're doing, you know, provoking. That doesn't mean you should do that because you're risking a lot of different things when you do that. Right. Right. And I've seen people do that. I've I've been on investigations. I've seen people do stuff like that, and I'm like, oh my god, what are you doing? Well, I'm not gonna lie. In my younger days, and some of the stuff I would try to try different things to try to get a re- elicit a response, but right. you know, um, there's certain times when you can do stuff like that, and certain times you shouldn't. Like you're not going to go into an orphanage where maybe kids were um, kids were abused and died, or whatever the case, you know, versus going into a prison where you got some pretty you had some pretty unsavory characters that were just buttholes when they're alive. And if their spirit's still there, the odds are what? They're going to be buttholes in spirit form, too. And right. sometimes you have to deal with each uh, location and, and such in the manner that it occurred when they were actually living. So, and, I, you know, I can speak to that because I was in law enforcement for 20 years. So <laughs> I know how right. to talk to those guys and how to get respect and give respect back. And, you know, each situation's different. It's every place you go, you never know what you're going to get. Sometimes you could go, like, I'll give you an example. Uh, Bobby Mackey's is a place I've done numerous times over the years, right? So, Mm -hmm. you know, notorious, supposed to be demon, this, that, and the other, very negative location. 
Well, the first time I went there, it was really benign. Nothing really happened. Had a few little weird things happen, nothing major. Went there a second time, and it was just off the chain. There was objects that were thrown across the room. Uh, just oh, wow. a lot of different crazy stuff happened. Went there a third time, and this is over years, you know, different times and whatnot. Third time, it was uh, really active, but not as active as the second time. Fourth time I went, uh, benign again. So you just never know. And different people's energies can affect that, too, depending who you're with. And on each time, there's so many different factors. Yeah, um, I now I agree with you on that big time. Yep. <laughs> and, um, you know, uh, and, uh, you know, I don't know. It's just like uh, there, I've done, like, for me personally, I've, I've documented enough paranormal evidence in my time. I, I don't do that as much anymore. I don't need to do that. I don't need validation for myself anymore. I know there's stuff out there, and I know, you know, I've done it for so many years now. I can literally pick up on the energy in any place that I walk into, and I can kind of run with that, you know. And now, for me, it's more of dealing with the energy and the spiritual side of it and trying to, you know, take care of things in that aspect. If I, you know, I still try to document stuff, of course, but I don't just, I don't need to go, I don't go to the commercial locations anymore. I don't need to do that. Uh, For me, it's more of going to residentials and businesses that are experiencing stuff and trying to help people. And a lot of right. cases that I do like that, you guys will never hear about it, never see nothing about it, because that's privacy stuff that I'll never share in public. So, And I've done hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of cases like that and seen some of the craziest stuff you can imagine, but I'll never – and I'm, and filmed it. And you know, it'll never be released to the public because I'm not there trying to get attention from it. I'm not there trying to gain fame from it. I'm there to help people, and that's what we do. You know, that's what we're here to do. So. Um, right. You know, I mean, you could go to either one of my YouTube channels and there's hundreds and hundreds of videos on there and you can see some pretty crazy stuff captured, you know, uh, over the yeah. years. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'll probably end up going to your YouTube channel to check things out just to see. Just to see what you got on there. Stuff, all of it, you know, it's all fascinating uh, to me. And to me, it's one of, you know, some three of man's greatest kind of unanswered questions. Are we alone in the universe? Or uh, do unknown creatures walk among us? And what happens when we die? That stuff fascinates me. It's also scary. It can be scary. You can pick up an attachment anywhere, folks, anywhere. Um, And when you go out and look for this stuff, Guess what? You just up the odds that you're gonna you you will most likely get some sort of attachment uh, if you spend any amount of time in this field trying to document evidence and stuff. And I'm here to tell yeah. you that I've had it. I had one. I wrote the my first book I wrote, Wicked Forty Six. That happened to me, and it took me a little bit to realize what was going on, and my whole life went upside down in a, in an overnight, guys. And then. Once I realized what was going on, I mean, I was like, oh, my God, I must have this thing. I got an attachment from that place. Um, and I went and got, you know, I went and got blessed by a shaman, uh, a Catholic priest, which I'm not even Catholic, and a Baptist minister. And within a few weeks, I, I kid you not, everything turned around. And yeah. um, that, was a, that was a very nasty case that we put a team together. Uh, and did something that no one has ever done in the paranormal before, and that is actually 
went to a notorious haunted location in PA. Uh, it was listed for sale as a haunted house, and upon further research, we realized that the Warrens had been there in the 80s. Uh, the local college had a paranormal uh, situation at their uh, college. You know, they had a paranormal uh, school in there, where, and they, they were studying this house. The Warrens had been there, and numerous, numerous people over the years would move in, move out, some leaving all their belongings. And there were some deaths in the house, a suicide and some other stuff. So we put this team together, and we lived in it for 20 – we rented it from the owner who was trying to sell it, uh, and we lived in it for 30 days straight. And then went back three more times for two weeks at a time and lived in it uh, and investigated it 24-7. And a lot of crazy stuff happened. A lot of bad stuff happened. The guy that I was investigating with, I, you know, uh, he was into some dark stuff, and he was using Ouija boards and stuff. And I was just there as an investigator helping him and trying to document stuff. Well, lo and behold, I got an attachment from that place, and it messed me up. And right after that investigation, I had a, a freaking softball-sized tumor come into my leg out of nowhere. And all kinds of really bad stuff happened to me. And uh, yeah, all, most of the people that I don't believe that happened. Well, yeah, and most of the people that were involved in that case are no longer friends. There's only me and a, me and a, me and a couple of them are still talk here and there. But they all had bad stuff happen to them as well. Um, the one guy didn't last a week and a half. He was crying, a grown man crying like a little baby. He said, this place is evil. I'm out of here. He didn't last a week, week and a half. He was gone. And, uh, you know, just a lot of crazy stuff happened. The Constantinos did a did a uh, live remote EVP session with us there, and look what happened to them not long after that, murder-suicide. Yeah, um, yeah. Um, just a lot of crazy stuff happened to people that were involved in that thing, and uh, you know, uh, and I'm, I wrote that book as a, I did like I did that one like almost like a daily journal with all I experienced, what I saw, and how it affected me, and what happened to me, and and wrote it as a warning to other investigators: be careful what you ask for, you might just get it. You're right. You're right about that. We've got. I want to spend some time talking about your store because. So we've lost a little bit of time, so I've got about five minutes left. Can can we talk about your store that you have opened up? Because yeah. I see things that I want in there already, but you are like five, I think you're five and a half hours away from me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, we're, we're working on uh, ideas for an online store uh, from the store, but, of course, we won't be able to offer all of our products. We're just going to offer some of the products, but um, – um, you know, this started like seven, eight, nine years ago for me. I thought it would be really cool to have, because basically when I, you know, I get paid to go speak around the country at conferences and stuff, I have my table and I have a lot of different products, my books and other things like that. And I thought it would be really cool to have my own store, you know, and, and just go on a grander scale. Not to mention that where I put the stores right on the edge of the Monongahela National Forest, I can run Bigfoot hunts right out of the store. Um, I'm going to be doing ghost, uh, ghost land, you know, the old timey ghost walks with the tours with the lanterns and stuff like that. Um, oh, cool! Right in the town there, uh, and we're going to do UFO sky watching right out of the store too. So you'll be able to, if you go to our Facebook page, Dave Spinks World of Weird on Facebook, go to the events, pay attention. We've already had one event. We're doing another one on May seventh. 
Uh, and uh, we're, there's all kind of stuff coming to the store. So my girlfriend and I, she helped me uh, make this dream come to fruition for me. And she's a holistic healer and a Reiki master and uh, all, so much more. She has so many titles, I couldn't name them all. But cause she's, <laughs> she was a college professor, and she's died five times. And her story is why she does what she does because of what happened to her. And, um, you know, she, she's, she uh, had a lot of things happen to her. Now she's all into the holistic and spiritual side for many years now. And um, so she helps a lot of people, and we investigate together, and we're helping people get through situations that have attachments and everything else. But so we have a dual store. It's really cool. So on one side, she has her holistic practice with Reiki and the mats and the electromagnetic tables and all the cool stuff the crystals and the blessed oils and everything. And then on my side, we got all my stuff and it goes hand in hand. So we have, you know, if you, if you're investigating and you run out of sage, guess what? You can pop, if you're near, you can pop in the store, get some sage, or you can get some blessed oil or some holy water or blessed metals, whatever you need. Uh, we have paranormal equipment. We've got t-shirts, you know, all everything, everything paranormal under the sun. We've got my books, her books, We've got many other authors like Johnny Z's, is a good friend of mine. His books are in the store. Uh, Stan Gordon, um, Frank uh, Bennett, uh, Lyle Blackburn, Ken Gerhardt. Everybody of my friends that I've a lot of them that are authors. I have all their books in my store too. Uh, and we have all kind of really cool merch. That's a lot of it's handmade by by people that you know artisans and artists drawings and uh, paintings and sculpts and everything else in the store that are made just for the store. We also oh, have cool. authentic Native American items that are made by shamans for, for us, for the store. I mean, drums, rattles, necklaces, yeah. bracelets, all handmade by Natives. Yeah, well, I'm looking forward to you doing your online store because I've seen a couple things that I want, I, I particularly because I collect alien stuff. I told you that. <laughs> oh, yeah, I got a bunch of alien stuff. I actually have – it's kind of a becoming an attraction, too, because I have the actual uh, – copy of the Area 51 sign uh, that was in the movie Paul is in my store. That's a real movie prop from the movie. Um, we've got a Zoltar in there now. I've got a life-size eight-and-a-half-foot tall Sasquatch that was made by a guy for me that's just just unbelievable. Um, and you can see pictures of it if you go on the Facebook page. And we, we got a whole bunch of – just a bunch hodgepodge of everything, aliens, ghosts, monsters yep. the whole nine years we've got movies we've got documentaries that i'm in and other people that i know are in um and just you know signage and trinkets and we got we got a whole kids section with kids bigfoot toys and activity books and um just a whole bunch of stuff soaps we got bigfoot soap um oh, that's, yeah. and even, we got even more stuff coming you know we got spices uh monster themed spices we got hot sauces uh, you know, hot sauces from Lionel Blackburn and other companies that uh, have made monster sauce now, and just so much cool stuff. It's a, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah, it sounds like it. Um, I'm running out of time. I got like 20 seconds. Um, it, does your do you have a Facebook? You have a Facebook yeah, page for your store too. Yeah, Dave Spinks World of Weird. Okay, got that, y'all. We'll put it in the link. And I'm gonna... If you go to my website, you can find just about everything, www.davespinksparanormalinvestigator.com. That works. 
Well, I'm sorry that our time went short, but I do appreciate you coming on my show. Hey, my pleasure. Anytime. I really appreciate that. I'm going to have to, I, I know I want to have you back because we didn't get to fully talk about everything, but I think it's really cool, and I appreciate you taking time to come out and talk to us. All right, well, thank you. All righty, I will. No problem. Thanks. Bye.
Hello, all you freaks out there. Welcome to Supernatural News. Welcome to the Freaking Awesome Paranormal Show. This is Ryan, and uh, we got my co-host coming around the corner here. Woo! She's here. All right. We got Kimmy over here. We had just finished recording on our Home Away and Every Day channel here. We did an hour and like 15 minutes of just eating snacks. You uh, did an hour and 15 minutes. Yeah, she did like 45 minutes of it. But we ate snacks from Russia, France, and uh, I think Ireland and Indonesia. One of the snack boxes had like a hodgepodge of different countries in it. So I don't remember all the countries we, we ate snacks from. But see what we ate a lot. But yeah, it was good. Um, definitely enjoyed it. So now we are ready for some supernatural news. I'm I'm trying something new here. I am on uh, doing a Zoom thing, but I'm actually recording the screen here, and I'm going to upload a video to the Freaking Awesome Paranormal Show page when we're done. You'll be able to read the stories, and uh, you can actually watch the video too. So we'll see how that works. So our first, I'm coming over here to the Express UK over here, News of the Weird right here. News of the weird. We always get all our all our, all of our best stories on uh, these like tabloid type sites from um, the United Kingdom. Mm-hmm. But some of the stuff is really depressing. I read some of the some of the uh, some of the headlines here. Baba Vanga conspiracy claims she said Vladimir will be Lord of Worlds. Nostradamus, how astrologer said East will weaken the West in eerie prediction. And we have this Rat King caught on camera. Extremely rare phenomenon signals impending plague. <laughs> you can be wild. I didn't text Happy. my friend. Or... <laughs> I need to text him. Are you okay? <laughs> wow. And this right here, this bothers me. I just the story about the monkeys who killed all those dogs. Just watch, look at that picture here of the monkey carrying the dog. I don't want to read the story because it's just the picture is depressing me. This is concerning. <laughs> Let's see if we can find something fun, like a good ghost story or something. Oh, no. All right, let's see. This looks fun. Hope this is like the sun and one of those websites that constantly show pop up ads when you're trying to read. <laughs> and then a it story. takes you like halfway up the yeah. page. And they got no clue where you were. Don't, yeah, exactly. Don't know what you're talking. Yeah. So annoying. All right. Drivers have reported being forced off Dartmoor Road by hairy hands that reach out and grab the steering wheel mm-hmm. or handlebars of bikes in spooky story that is resurfaced for Halloween. So I'm wondering, are they like free floating hands that just pop up out of nowhere? They move us out the way here. Yeah. See? See. Tens of thousands of trick-or-treaters will take to the streets this weekend. This was back in October, obviously. 
Many people will be stocking up on sweets, decorating their homes, or adding their finished touches to their costumes. We celebrate Halloween on October 31st each year. Really? That's when we celebrate Halloween. I had no idea. I never could have imagined. Shocking. Shocking, I tell you. I mean, that's just crazy. It is. Crazy talk. Imagine not selling Halloween in December. I mean, crazy. I mean, we can celebrate Halloween all the time, as far as I'm concerned. Literally. We celebrate Halloween on, okay, an event that dates back to the ancient Celtic festival of Samhain. Costumes will warn to fend off evil spirits as the ghosts of the dead return to Earth. As far as spooky exciting, exciting this goes, this is all filler stuff. I mean, come on. I mean, maybe the, the costumes were born to fend off evil spirits. I did not know that. Or might not be widely known. As widely known as we celebrate Halloween mm-hmm. on October 31st. I would say December 31st. <laughs> Please. As far as spooky sightings go, the few are, are as openly hostile towards people as the alleged hairy hands. The legend of the hairy hand originated from Postbridge and Dartmoor on the road on the road now known as B3212. Around night, this is a great name for a road, B3212. Really? Bro, nice. where are you at? Uh, I don't know, like what? I'm a B3. B3. <laughs> I'm a B3. What's going to be a B3213? Come on, man. Idiot. Bro, how are you getting this oh, wrong? God. Well, the calculator. Since around 1910, drivers and cyclists have reported numerous unusual incidents on the road that runs between Post Bridge and Two Bridges. There's Post Bridge over here and Two Bridges over here. Are there two bridges, though, or just one? (laughs) That'd be confusing. How about Two Bridges? Only see one. Rendering of the hairy hand. Legend has it that the victim's steering wheel or handlebars are suddenly gripped by a revolting pair of hairy, catless hands. It's like everything in me not to just, like, reach over and just jolt you. I would jump. Yeah. Like, it's the hairy hand. It's the hairy hand. It's coming. It's here. It's here. It's oh, it's here. They came all the way from Dartmoor. <laughs> a revolting pair of hairy, callous hands that try their hardest to force drivers off the road into the, into the unforgiving ditches or verges. And? Unforgiving. If you ask for the ditches, ditches for forgiveness, they'll say no. No. I don't forgive you. I I don't do that. No. Sorry, sweetie. Mm. No. And those verges, man. Those verges. Those verges got some vengeances. That's and for they're, sure. They're very, very, they're very vengeful. Very vengeful. Struggling <laughs> <laughs> with that one. It's a tongue twister. The experiences remained nothing more than a local mystery until June 1921 when the hands allegedly claimed their first victim. Helby, medical officer of Dartmoor at Dartmoor Prison, was killed when he was unable to control his motorbike. His two daughters were traveling in the sidecar and survived. They recalled hearing their father shouting at them to get off the bike as they wrestled to control it. I mean, the bike's moving. And he's trying to control it. Why would you want to jump out? Did they see the hairy hands? <laughs> Just a matter of weeks after Helby had died, a coach driver reportedly lost control on the road, and several passengers were thrown out of their seats. The story became, first became known as Nationwide in August of the same year, 
when in, when in, an army captain reported his motorcycle had been forced off the road by a pair of visible hands. All right. Let's read the story again. This line right here again. The story first became known nationwide in August of the same year when an army captain reported his motorcycle had been forced off the road by a pair of invisible hands. I thought they were hairy hands. How the yes. He told the media at local media at the time, it wasn't his fault. Believe it or not, something drove me off the road. A pair of hairy hands closed over mine. I felt them as plainly as ever. I felt anything in my life. Large, muscular, hairy hands. Okay, first of all, bro, get your story straight. God. So You be switching it up, mate. If someone holds your hand, like... You see the bottom of the palm of the hand. Oh, the palm, Harry? He lives in England. Bro, you ever heard of the hairy hands? <laughs> this is, or what the fuck is a verge? <laughs> no, wait, wait, wait. Ew, What's up with the mental virtues you guys have? <laughs> the what? In the server, I went. <laughs> Very vengeful virtues. Hey, what, man? Those verges. How do you even survive living over there? I fought them for all I was worth, but they were too strong for me. They forced the machine into the turf at the edge of the road. I knew no more till I came to myself, lying a few feet away on my face on the turf. The Daily Mail picked up the story shortly after it said it spread across the UK. We now had folklore enthusiast Theo Brown was staying in a caravan near their B321. It's going to mess me up. Three, two, one, two, in the summer of 1924, when she had a harrowing experience. In her Devon Ghost book, she remembered, as I looked up to the little window at the end of the caravan, I saw something moving. And as I started, I saw it, at, I saw it was the fingers and palm of a very large hand with many hairs on the joints and back of it, clawing up and up to the top of the window, which was little open so it's like a little remember the, the show with Adam's family? And little hand thing that goes that's basically what it is. But with more hair. <coughs> I knew it was to do I knew it was to do harm to my husband sleeping below. I knew that the owner of the hand hated us and wished us and wished us harm. I knew it was no ordinary hand and that no blow or shot would have any power over it. I make fun, but if I saw a hairy hand coming after me, I'd probably freak out too. <laughs> Sorry, but this is so funny. My friend is like, "What are you even?" If he was watching, listening to freaking awesome paranormal shows, you'd know what to do. No, literally, literally. If only, if only. Come put it on. We're on live right now. We are live. Click the link. <laughs> Shameless promo. <laughs> she made the sign of the cross, and the hand disappeared. Another eyewitness, Lawrence. Tell you what, turn look, look at the freaking awesome paranormal show on Facebook because they have it. I'm gonna upload the video when we're done. Another witness. I will send them the link. Another witness, Florence Warwick, encountered the hairy hands in 1962. Javon Live reported. I looked up and I saw a pair of huge hairy hands pressed against the wind windscreen. 
Despite the varying tales, the hands are yet to be attributed to any specific purpose besides driving the motorist off the road into the vengeful verges. I laid that last part up. Some local versions have, however, attributed them to a man who died in an accident on the road. A very hairy man. After the story appeared in the Daily Mail, investigations concluded the accidents were likely caused by the camber of the road surface, which reportedly reached dangerous levels in places and was subsequently altered. So, if you're getting a car wreck, just blame the hairy hands. I'm sorry. It's the hairy hands, guys. It's not it's me. Not me. I, just, I lost control. So some of the hairy hands, some of the visible hands took control of our of the car. And Literally. I didn't smash into that tree. The hairy hands did. I mean, it sounds like it seems logical to me. It's, I can't think of any other explanation. This is what B3212 looks like. This lonely stretch of road where the hairy hands hang out. <laughs> B two B three two one two. Hairy hands. Have have they have they ventured down B three two one two? Have they known? This, they know that's legend? the funny part. They're just so confused. They didn't listen. <laughs> you want to read about the uh, Antarctic? Yes, so. UFO. Right. <laughs> Buckle up. Let's do this. Gotta throw thing over here. <clears throat> All right. Sir? Yes, sir. Okay. Up here. Okay. An alleged UFO crash site has been undiscovered. Un- undiscovered. I'm not discovered. Forget about it. It's undiscovered. What? <laughs> I think that's possible. Listen, they just—they needed a story. They needed a headline. Well, they won't even have it. Will be an article. Because <laughs> that's it. You're gonna discover. That's a rat, mate. Yeah, that's it. Uh, okay. An alleged UFO crash <laughs> uncovered in Antarctica. After a mysterious object was spotted on Google Maps. <laughs> was online by UFO YouTuber Mr. <laughs> what is these freaking things? Three, three, two, one, two. Mr. MBB three, three, three. Sir, sir. Mr. Mbibbable. <laughs> black? No, it's M. It's an IB. Oh my God. Okay. Who captioned the video? Looks like something might have landed in the middle of Antarctica, leaving a gouge in the snow. Viewers suggested that the object favors the shape of a triangle craft. Okay. You decide. <laughs> Literally. The YouTuber said, looks like something may have slid into the snow. It definitely favors the shape. Of a triangle craft. You can see a dent in the snow as well. It could just be a rogue rock, but there is something else out in this area. This is the only thing that shows up in the middle of the snow. 
This is. Oh, oh, there's pictures. It seems. <laughs> it looks like, it's a, like it a looks boomerang. like a cursor. It does kind of look like a cursor or one of those boomerangs. When analyzing the object, Mister MVB three 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 could continued. Looks like a black triangle craft. It looks like a boomerang or what was once a flying machine that landed in the snow out here. We can see the feature of what looks like a winged craft sitting in Antarctica. He also pointed to a nearby object that looks like the shadow of a pyramid in the snow. The video, which racked up over 50,000 views, spurred a frenzied discussion. Frenzied discussion. It was like typing it really. Oh my god. Frenzied. Exactly. Donna Leah Jenkins responded, wow, that definitely looks like a triangle craft of some kind in the snow there in Antarctica, especially would you show it through some of the different filters. Great find. Shannon re- reacted, what, what will be interesting to see is to check back in a week and see if the object is still in the snow. Ham Anderson Positive. Po- positive. Could the could the part that looks like a gouge in the Antarctic be a snowdrift on the downwind side of an object that the wind has p- partially excavated from the snow? Okay. Pam, 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 let's uh. Okay, nerd. According to Mike Collier, the chief meteorologist for. Tulsa. Tulsa. KJRH. Yeah. The unique spiral pattern that appeared was likely caused by the rocket's second stage fuel release mechanism. Fox 23 meteorologist Laura Mock cross-checked the SpaceX live stream and concluded that this rocket would have flown very close to Oklahoma. After it launched from Florida from a rocket to Oklahoma, from the Antarctic. How do you get... That's weird. It just seems like... I don't know. It was in the same area. Oh, okay. Oh. Another UFO news, an apparent sighting above Oklahoma of a spiral-shaped object appears. Okay. So we missed, we skipped that part. Yeah. Yeah. She tweeted, the rocket was going through its final op- orbital burn over the center of the country after already circling the globe once. I swear I know how to read. You went from Antarctica to Oklahoma. I was a little confused. I was like, where? What? Well, that's a heavy one. Which one? Jesus Christ first at conference. Yeah, I'm not getting into that. <laughs> Definitely not going to get into that. UK's for a haunted village boasts one ghost for I think, we, I think we've done this one before. I think we did that one before. That was the That was the last year one. What's this? Try to find another good article to read here, guys, for those that are listening to the podcast part. Try not to. 
see some any depressing news? I think my friend may have just surprised. <laughs> I love my friend just. They we are a very strange country. I, we know. We, we're, we're looking at your articles right now. <laughs> See them. Check out the mirror. Like this, this is the one that's got all the pop-up ads. So it's probably gonna piss me off. All right, here's one. I can't. You don't see this every day. Family snap from birthday. The meal could give people chills as they see ghosts of baboons. And there comes the pop-up ads. A grandmother was in for shock after clocking what she believed to be the ghost of a baboon in a freaky family photo with the apparent apparition seen hovering above their sister-in-law's head. Tracy Phelps Pomeroy had been enjoying a family get-together at Kabuto Japanese Steakhouse in Indianapolis, Indiana, in celebration of her sister. Tina Jordan's birthday when the group decided to take a few snaps. One week later, the 52-year-old looked back over the pics and saw an odd-looking figure hovering above sister-in-law Connie Phelps' head. Tracy was stricken by the unexpected figure and said family members were also taken aback as she pointed it out. Okay, I got so many things wrong with this. One, how do you go, oh, my God, look at that dance. Like, that's so obvious. Like, that looks like a guy's portrait from the 1945s. Okay, like, sister. The 1945s? Yes. Okay. Like, 1945 is, like, like all the same, all 1945. What happened to 1945. No, this is 1943, 1942, no, this is 1945. 1945. Okay, something about it. I mean, they're in a restaurant and probably smoke. It does look like almost like a Mark, like a picture of Mark Twain or something like that. Mm-hmm. But even if Mark Twain's ghost shows up, that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. But I'm thinking, I mean, bro, literally looks so bored. She's like, why am I even here, man? Those are those Kabuto restaurants are fun. They do, they do, they do. They flip their food mm-hmm. up, and they, you know, I like those. I'm not sure whether it'd be a ghost of a, of a baboon <laughs> in the restaurant. Like I said, man of the 1945. The creepy photo shows Connie, 62, seated next to her husband Mike Phelps, 65, at the restaurant with the outline of what appears to be a large monkey floating above her head. All right, noting, noting, noting. Noting how detailed the figure is, retired insurance agent Tracy isn't convinced that the train shape could be the result of just steam or mist and believes that they're looking at the spirit of a deceased baboon. Again, man of the 1945s. Looks like an old war guy, you know? Does look like a baboon. The one you can stand up like this with like his shoulders out just staring menacingly at you. That's what it looks like. Looks like a baboon with with the white hair and a beard. She's long nose right there. Mm-hmm. And just got the face of a baboon, which could be, it's probably, para, probably paradoyola. 
like when you see like shapes in the clouds or whatever. Um, but you know, I could see why it looks. It does look like a bad bane, but I don't think it's a ghost of a bad bane. Uh, the mom of of one we called. It was my sister's birthday, so my family and I went to a restaurant that does hibachi grill Asian food. We were just taking random shots at the family getting to get together, and it was about a week later for anyone ever recognized that mist that looks like a baboon or or monkey or a baboon. How do you not realize? After a week. Literally. I mean, and I'm assuming I'm assuming it's a phone. Mm-hmm. It's not like you have to wait for the mm-hmm. film to be developed. I pointed this out to my family. Everyone was a little taken aback. It just took. It's just so detailed and form. Sure, it could be smoke or lighting, smoke and lighting, but every time I look at it, I'm just amazed. I mean, it's a pretty cool-looking picture. I'm not going to lie. I would, you know? I mean, yeah, it's, it's something. Yeah. Again, I don't think it's a ghost of a baboon. <laughs> you know? Or, you know, there would be, like, you'd hear more stories about ghosts of monkeys. Mm-hmm. And why would a ghost of a baboon be hanging out at a computer restaurant in Indiana? Yeah. You know, it's not like they built, like, the computer's mm-hmm. restaurant on, like, ancient baboon land, and the, the ghost of baboon haunts, haunts the land. This is, like, some kind of weird spirit that takes the shape of a baboon. Mm-hmm. It is Japanese. Mm-hmm. So maybe there is a Japanese, like, trinket in the kabudos that has a ghost of a baboon attached to it. We're going down the rabbit hole. Yeah. <laughs> see. Let's look up. Google. What does a ghost of a bathroom mean? Monkey symbolism. What does a ghost, what does a baboon mean spiritually? Baboon symbolize symbolism and meanings include curiosity, communication, sociableness, savings, and parenting. Baboons are native to Africa and Arabian Peninsula. They are subjects of the mythology and folklore of these cultures. So, they're not, they're not, they're not even native to Japan. So, I don't, I really don't know why they would be in a Kabuto's restaurant. But if you want to go look, maybe if you're in the Indiana area and you want to go to Kabuto's, ask them if they can do an EVP session when, they, when, the, uh, when the restaurant is closed. Maybe you'll hear the call of the baboon. Yeah. This must be Tracy right here. Mm-hmm. Good old Tracy. I mean, she takes these pictures and she thinks it's a baboon and she's really excited. She got a picture of a ghost of yeah, a baboon. Yeah. So I'm not gonna I mean, I'm not gonna run out for break. I'm gonna say it's a ghost of a baboon. You're right, Tracy. She looks so happy there in this picture. In her car. Yeah. No, she's just so excited she got the picture of a ghost. You know, I mean, capture stuff. We need to capture EVPs and stuff like that. We don't want people running in our parade. So, yeah, I'm going to go with it. It's the ghost of a baboon randomly appearing at a Kabuto's restaurant in Indiana. <laughs> for no reason. Yes, for no reason at all. Just 
apparently the apparently the baboon enjoys hibachi, which is understandable because hibachi is really good. Bro just wants the food. Yeah, he's all pissed off because he can't have it. He's a ghost. I'm a ghost of a baboon. Oh, this is a good one. Something you can relate to. Ready this one? Sure. There we go. A, oh, okay. Hello. Sir? Sir. Thank you. A love-struck singer-songwriter has made headlines after claiming to have been caught up in a whirlwind romance. I think technically it should be star-crossed, but okay. With the spirit of a Victorian soldier. Mm, happens all the time. Broke card, brocade. Procarde. See if your friend is Procarde. <laughs> Thirty-eight says she first met and fell for Eduardo last year, where he made a supernatural appearance in her Oxfordshire home, and it quickly became serious with Arnando, popping the question back in November 2021. According to Brocade. Her ghostly partner asked for her hand in marriage by leaving a diamond ring on her pillow after a lover's tip. Okay. Inter- interpreting this as a proposal. So romantic. Literally, Brookride happily <laughs> accepted, publicly announcing her engagement soon afterwards. However, ever since revealing she's engaged, Brookride claims she's had to field off a number of messages from living men, begging her to ditch Anando and give them a chance instead. Yeah. You said Anando after out of Eduardo. <laughs> Listen. <laughs> 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 it was undiscovered. <laughs> She says her inbox has since been flooded with as many as 10,000 messages, a great number of which have been sent by men begging her to kick her ghostly fiancé to the curb. Brocade admits she's been left unamused by some of her more imaginative admirers, revealing these messages are hilarious. One guy wanted us to sleep in a coffin, Another collected taxidermy insects, and another. How do you, how do you taxidermy insects? That's something I need to figure you out. You can be wild. And another's biggest selling point is being alive. I mean, what more could you possibly want? The singer has shared a look at several of the emails, with one man declaring her to be too. Stunning to be hitched to a dead man. I love how her issue isn't the fact she's married, she's engaged to a ghost, but the fact she's not with them. <laughs> men, men, <laughs> pleading with her, I'm alive, baby, alive and ready for you. Marry me? Another employed, oh my god, don't marry that psychotic spirit. Marry me. I will treat you right and not 
scare you like that. I can leave messages in the shower and take you away for real. Apparently, the ghost isn't scared because she's marrying him. Right? So. Ten thousand emails. To These the grown men are like little begging. Mm, how you her. doing, Mama Sita? Very weak. Not like those. You need Hernando. You need me. Sir, yes, sir. <laughs> well, sir, discreet. <laughs> I'm a real soldier in the army, not a Victorian or dead or anything special. But I'm a good, hardworking bloke. Who will look after you and show you a good time? <laughs> I cannot. I mean, if she's marrying a ghost, she must. She really. She might not have the. That might not be the best kind of person that you uh, want to like, spend the rest of your life with. <laughs> Literally. Because what if like? No, she jumps into it any time. All she needs is the right sign. The right dead person shows up. Literally. Oh, oh, maybe you want to. Edwando has not been happy about the messages. I guess Edwando. <laughs> I think I've got close to one so far. <laughs> Despite all the effort her admirers have gone to, with one even penning her a poem, Procurer claimed. If I'm not gonna get it right anyway, I might as well have fun with it. Uh, claim she hasn't been tempted by any of the messages she's received so far. However, Inardo is still furious. Has made his feelings on the matter known, according to Broker Brocardi. I didn't say a word, but Inardo is furious about them. When I read them, the lights flickered like crazy. The room turned ice cold, and my phone just went black and died. It wouldn't turn on back on for hours, even when I plugged it into its charger. Mysteriously, when the power came back, several of the messages were in my trash folder, so Inardo is not amused. You just got to hang out by a bunch of dolls there. Mm. Yeah. Brocrade has decided not to engage with the flirty messages. Brocrade, who claims to communicate with Anardo in alternative ways, including cryptic shower messages, has opted against engaging with the messages, leaving her devotees awaiting her response. She explained... I love it when people reach out and send lovely messages about my music and designs or show genuine interest in what I create. But the personal notes about dating, critiquing my appearance, just make me really uncomfortable. My mind often boggies, boggles. <laughs> I often feel mischievous and get tempted to reply and say, yeah, sure, let's get married. Let's see what happened next. I never do, though, as strangers on- online can be far scarier than ghosts. She added, I think it's more than the amount that it, that was scary. Hundreds of messages per hour. It was impossible to function because of the sheer amount of proposals and love bombs hitting my inbox. Most American communicators didn't know this. Do it now. So what do you think? 
I think that was absolutely hilarious. You like to get her on the show sometime. Yeah. Although after watching this, you probably won't be on the show. Yeah. yeah. But I think it'd be a fun, a fun interview. Well, that's depressing. Boy walked onto building site and died. That's telling mom he's going to go play. You see. I mean, you know what? You can find love in mysterious ways. Hmm. But I mean, if you like break up with them, you got to be like a, a sage or something, you know, because you can pop up any time. Apparently, hmm. I wonder if he's still. I wonder if she's still engaged to him. Did you ask her about Bacardi? <laughs> Listen. Warning from painting listed on eBay as fan claims it's cursed. Let's see here. Weird things found on. Imaginary friends on eBay. Imagine friends used to on eBay. This is from 2014. Never read this article before, but it was a long time ago. This is best what it used to have on eBay. I don't think it happens anymore. Mm. But at one point, people are selling their imaginary friends on eBay. Does selling your imaginary friend count as human trafficking? We may never know. But if you're in the market for an imaginary friend, look no further than eBay. There are plenty of people selling off their fake pals for as little as $100 and as much as $6,000. We want to skip the building process. These are Chuck Fresh, currently selling his two bogus besties, sticks and stones, because his girlfriend said she'd leave him if he kept them around. For only $100, you can own sticks and stones for yourself. Just be careful, as one of the little guys has an attitude Presented to Chuck Fresh Rights. It's a lot. My imaginary friend Sticks and Stones are both getting too old for me now. I'm now 29, and I feel I am growing tired of them. He's very friendly. He has a wonderful sense of humor. Sticks hid hides things like my keys and my cell phone when I'm not looking. I think pretty sure you have ghosts attached to you, not imaginary friends. Um... Yeah, so there's a lot to read down here. But if sticks and stones don't fit your personal play style, try James. James comes at the premium. The minimum bid is $150. So, boy, do you get bang for your buck. He's a very loyal friend, eBay user Griffin Michael writes. He's very smart and likes to discuss politics. He loves Chex Mix and Coke. Of course, it's hard to tell these people are joking, and neither post returned requests for comment by press time, but we live in a world where people spend thousands of dollars on rock simulators and photos of internet posts. Why wouldn't the imaginary friend business be booming? It's worked at least once, according to news.com. In 2007, eBay user The Wild and Crazy Aioli 
Trezoli, uh we successfully sold Imaginary Friends for $2,750, it's unclear, with shipping from the Imagination costs. If you're worried that you and your Imaginary Friend won't hit it off, there's another eBay user to help. For $5, you can buy a new friendship spell okay, from a woman named Sophie who has practiced spell casting for a, a variety as well as psychic reading for 18 years now. So, well, $1,000, you can buy imaginary friends. Can you sell imaginary friends? You may never know, but if you're in the market for imaginary friends, look at friends than eBay. There are plenty of, I think I still sell imaginary friends on eBay. Let's go. Let's check it out. ebay.com I'm going to look up and see imaginary friends there's a book called imaginary friend oh blue remember the uh, hostage home for imaginary friends look at cheese $99 for a cheese doll Look at this is deadness, dead mouse. It almost looks like a like a fat ass. I used to love that show. Foster. Remember Billy and Mandy? Two hundred dollars for a, a, a Grim and Billy two pack of dolls or action figures. So you can't you cannot buy imaginary friends on eBay anymore. It's a good way to make an extra dollar. Bro, there's a book that I read this one time that was, like, so good. And it's, like, it's literally one of my favorite books ever. But it was, like, a cool library book. And I've never, like, seen it again. And I really want the book so I can read it again. But the whole premise was that, like, this girl, like, did something, whatever. And then, like, she, like, got sent to some, like, I want to say it was, like, then family maybe, but it could be wrong. House like in on this like random island, and like and like they live in like the like creepy part of the island in like a house that used to be like an orphanage or whatever. And like Frozen Charlotte, and there there used to be these like porcelain dolls called Frozen Charlotte that that were based off of this like rhyme or poem about this like girl who was like being taken to a um ball mm-hmm. and like she didn't want to wear a coat on the uh, carriage ride and it was like a really cold night and so by the time she arrived at the ball she was frozen she died was her name charlotte yes and so that inspired the frozen charlotte dolls yeah. that were like white and have like, rosy cheeks or whatever and they were like kind of like stuck in like one pose and they came like little coffins i think but there was like this book but there's this book and she like find the dolls or whatever and, like, it was really, like, creepy and really good. And I've never found the book again, but I want it. I mean, that's, those porcelain dolls are creepy. This porcelain doll is creepy. How do you look at that? Let me look uh, for some Charlotte dolls up. Is there, like, a, is there like a uh, description of this doll? 
It's called, their name's, doll's name is Melissa. Who watched in the last 24 hours? $19. This thing here. Frozen Charlotte Dolls. The book was so good, though. Absolutely loved it. Images. I'm thinking of finding showing Frozen Charlie's on eBay. Well, imagine. They're like really old. So maybe you can you can do like do a like a mm-hmm. like a magnifying. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or whatever. I don't know how to say it, but there's a boy Frozen Charlie doll. Oh, interesting. Looks like looks like uh, blue jeans on. Interesting. Let's see here. Let's see if there's another one. Here's one. It's got a dress on. Missing an arm here. We're on eBay looking at the Frozen Charlotte dolls. Let's, uh, I think there was one and like came in like little coffins or something. This is the end of the last article. The chilling story of Frozen Charlotte and the corpse like dolls that bear her name. Charlotte's mother pleaded. Now, daughter, dear, put this blanket around you before it's a dreadful night, and you'll catch your death of cold. Charlotte responded, Nay, mother, nay. To ride in blankets muffled up, I would never be seen. Her beau Charles retrieved another blanket from inside his sleigh and implored, Please, Charlotte, wrap yourself with this. Charlotte rolled her eyes. God. I said, and said, I feel like a horse by the time I reach the ball. I've used your old carriage blanket to keep warm. My silk cloak is quite enough. The story of Frozen Charlotte is a folklore, folk tale about from the 19th century about a young vain woman who froze to death while traveling to a New York New Year's Eve ball in an open sleigh. I wonder if that jingle bells on it. <laughs> the weather was bitterly cold that evening, and despite warnings from her mother to dress warmly, Charlotte preferred to show her off her beautiful gown during the ride to the ball. A ballad titled Fair Charlotte in a poem in a poem by Siva Smith, a corpse going to a ball, helped spread the story of unfortunate Charlotte during the 19th century. The origin of the story was a New York Observer article published February 8, 1940, that described a woman who froze to death while traveling 20 miles in a sleigh to New Year's ball. 20 miles, that's a long way mm-hmm. to riding a sleigh, even, even when you're bundled up. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Frozen Charlotte quickly captured the imagination of the American people because it carried two important messages. One, don't be vain and listen to your mother. The story, oh, is this there? That's the same two messages. The story was so popular that when porcelain bath dolls were introduced into the United States from the from Germany during the mid 1800s, they were dubbed Frozen Charlottes because they resembled small white corpses 
the male versions are dubbed Frozen, Frozen Charlies. So the doll we saw on eBay, the boy was a Frozen Charlie. The dolls sold, sold exceptionally well. Apparently, a product associated with Frozen Corpse is not bad marketing when the corpse is as popular as Charlotte. Some of the dolls were even sold in caskets and baked into cakes. Whoever received the slice of cake with Frozen Charlotte inside received good luck or a special favor. Kind of like a king cake. Mm-hmm. This cake tradition continues today, usually with plastic dolls. There is debate about the exact timing the dolls were dubbed Frozen Charlotte, but widely believed the name, associ- name association occurred in the 19th century. There is research that suggests that it may have occurred in the, t- in the 20th century. The popularity of Frozen Charlotte dolls lasted for decades, but slowly faded during the 20th, early 20th century. Many different sizes and styles of dolls exist. Some have paint and clothing, but most don't. The classic Frozen Charlotte dolls, nude, manufactured in one piece with arms and legs molded to the body. Because the dolls were made of porcelain, they survived the elements. If you're on a hike and notice, on, notice a small white face peering up through the dirt or sand, chop, stop and check it out. It might be Frozen Charlotte, lost by a child over a century ago. Check out the photo below. I mean, that's creepy. Mm-hmm. Looks like almost like like sand, like at, at the beach or whatever. Mm-hmm. There are multiple versions of the story about Frozen Charlotte that have been published over the years. Below is my version, composed of storylines found in the poem, ballad, and other tales about Charlotte. That's a long guy. <laughs> Charlotte was a beautiful young woman who could not walk past the mirror without stopping to admire herself. She favored dresses that were low-cut so she could show off her lovely neck and shoulders. She's always enjoyed being seen by others to bask in the compliments about her beauty that often followed. She grew up in a wealthy family, and only an only child with a father who could afford to spoil her. She took full advantage of, the, of, the gener, of this generosity by filling her wardrobe with fine dresses and accessories. New Year's Day 1840 was approaching, and Charlotte was excited about the upcoming ball. She picked out a gorgeous gown to her wear, quite certain that no other woman be her equal that evening. She planned to capture everyone's attention as the belle of the ball. Her beau Charles was scheduled to pick her up in his coarse-drawn sleigh to escort her to the event, which was located in a nearby New Year New England village. They would ring in the New Year together. But when Charlotte arrived, but when Charles arrived, the weather had been turned very cold and very windy. Snow filled the air and he was bundled up with warm clothing for the long trip. Charlotte greeted Charles at his sleigh without a coat. Surprised, Charles asked her to cover up with something warm, but Charlotte refused. She wanted everyone to admire her beautiful gown on the way to the ball. Charlotte stepped into the sleigh and insisted they leave immediately for the ball, straight into the dark, frosty night as Charlotte's worried mother watched from her, from her doorway. Halfway through the trip, Charles noticed Charlotte was slumped over and shivering. She said, such a cold and blustery night like this I have never seen. I can barely hold the range. Charlotte responded faintly, 
I am exceedingly cold. There were five miles left in the trip, so Charles urged his horse to move fast. I mean, put the fucking blanket on. Literally. Oh, my God, Charles. When they arrived at the ball, Charles rushed around the stage to help Charlotte down, step down, but Charlotte did not move. He grabbed her hand and it was found as cold and stiff. Charles quickly carried Charlotte into the ball, the hall, and laid her down on the bottom floor. Charlotte was motionless and did not utter a word. Then became apparent at all to all who watched that she would never utter another word because no amount of warming could bring back life to back life back into her frozen body. In the end, Charlotte's hope to capture everyone's attention that evening did come true. But instead of being the bell of the ball as she planned, everyone stared down at frozen Charlotte, the corpse of the ball. The weeks that followed, Charles was overwhelmed by tremendous grief, knowing that the love of his wife, intended bride, froze to death sitting by his side. He soon died of a broken heart. Charlotte and Charles were reunited once again, buried side by side in their village cemetery. (coughs) I don't think they find their grave. Mm. Well, there it is. Well, Guys, we're about done with the show. We got a minute left. Thank you so much for tuning in. We will not be on next week because we'll be at the beach. Super excited about that. Um, so we'll be back uh, two weeks with a spiritual power hour. We've got Holly and Jerry. We're doing a two-hour fun time. So we're looking forward to that. Ugh, my throat. All right, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. Hope you guys enjoyed the show. All right. Good night, guys.